The boys are back in town by order of the Peaky Blinders. Welcome into our spoiler-free podcast, breaking down every single episode of the 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and BBC. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy. This is episode two of the fourth season. We finally get some insight to look at Shangretta's mind, and he is fucking scary. We get some closure with uh, with John, and we get some... Uh, some openings with Michael and his 60% chance to live. And the episode is titled Heathens, which we'll learn that Johnny Dogs is, is what uh, is the name that he gives to uh, Aberama Gold and those group of uh, mongrels. But before we dive in, you know the drill. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. But more importantly, subscribe, rate us, review us. Send us your feedback via email at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com. Josh, the critics continue to marvel. Heathens got a 9.3 on IMDb. As the description reads, Reeling from their loss, the Shelbys gather in small heath where Tommy calls for a family truce in order to launch an offensive against the Mafia, which is essentially the, uh, the summary of their family meeting that they have in the beginning of the episode. 9.3 for another non-finale episode. The critics love season four. I mean, I don't blame them. Season four is fucking amazing. It's 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 crazy to see, you know, Tommy on the back foot a little bit here in this episode, you know, intimidated. We don't usually see Tommy intimidated. We saw him intimidated with the priest. Um, they have a really big family meeting about what to ha- about what's gonna happen. People want really want a lot of the family members want out of out of this bullshit and it's it's to Tommy's detriment. And it's such a relieving change, too, from, like, the confusing, like, constant having to pay so much attention in season three and having all these, like, trying to trick you. Here it's just, this is the this is the dilemma, this is the plot, this is the, the enemy. Bam. Right there. Very simple. Everything's simple. We're back in Small Heath. You can cue the Phil Lynott. The boys are back in town. But cue a little bit of a somber version because we're going to start off with a very famous song. As they get back into Small Heath, it's The Mercy Seat, written and sung by Johnny Cash, but performed by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds as uh, Polly is is kind of back to normal, you know, yelling at Tommy to go fuck those bastards responsible. You know, they, they go and see Michael. He's fighting for his life. They go and see John. They do have to say in, in the bleak midwinter. And uh, and Esme's pissed and she's off. She's gone and I don't think we're ever gonna see her again. Yeah, and I mean Polly, you know, gets pissed off because the soldier, the the people who are watching over Michael are drunk and they're young, and she's like, "We need real men. We need soldiers. Like, you know, we don't we don't need these these fucking kids watching over Michael. Like, this is this is getting out of hand." And Esme Esme's done with the shit. And as we as we as we discussed, um, not that upset to see Esme to see Esme go. Um, Tommy uses John's funeral as bait to the enemy and i mean it's it's brilliant if he knows that everyone's gonna be okay but goddamn, was that risky and Polly was pissed and she had a good reason to be even though it was it wasn't the official changretta crew it was just a few italians that had heard and it was like a seed planted by tommy but it was a a book right out of uh 
Benioff and Weiss right out of George R. R. Mar. I mean, it was Littlefinger literally saving the day with Sansa in the Battle of the Bastards. It could not have been a more direct comparison because it's Aiden Gillen, who is our new guest star. He's great. He's amazing. He's Littlefinger. He's Snaps. he's the mayor. Snaps for him, baby. The mayor from The Wire, which I'm sure everyone, you know, who's a huge TV show fanatic has even heard of or seen. And here he is, Aberama Gold. I got his name down. I had a lot of trouble with that in the uh in the instant reactions of season five, his son Bonnie is a boxer, and uh, and they help you know kill those two Italians in the uh, in the funeral scene with with John's body getting burned. And I am so mad at Netflix for for what they did to me because you know when like when like they have like the oh the it was his it was his show, image when you first it was saw it. it was little thing it was it was him and I'm like he's not in this show what the fuck they did the same thing with Adrian Brody. So like I knew they were both being introduced in the season, and I cannot be more mad at Netflix for it. So, if you if you somehow you know see that, I'm sorry, you're going through the same thing as me. But I'm happy that I finally got Adrian Brody and is is Aiden Gillen yep in the show now, and they're both phenomenal. Uh, Abraham Gold is a phenomenal character. He 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 saves the day just like Littlefinger has. You said and. He wants to make a little uh, a little deal with Tommy in, in exchange for his services. Oh, it's a great, great scene. First, though, I want to notice there is a little look between Abraham Gold and Polly, and then later Polly kind of brings up, it's obvious, like, I have second sight, okay, Tommy? And this guy, Gold, he wants more than just your money, and he wants more than just to help you. And, and speaking of Paul, we can throw this in real quick. There's a little side mention that she wants to run away to Australia with Michael to see her daughter's grave, which is the first mention we've had of her daughter in a while. So she's clearly not still 100% all right. But that mention, you, you said Abrahama Gold, he shows up at Charlie's Boatyard. We meet the boxing son the and he wants to buy it. He's like, this is a great venture. I'll have it. And Tommy says, it's not for sale. And he goes, everything is for sale. You tell Mr. Strong, I'm going to buy his yard. But Tommy comes up swinging, and it is awesome because he goes balls to the wall, says, okay, all right, that's fine. You get Charlie's yard if it's heads, but we'll flip a coin for it, and if it's tails, I'm going to have your daughter Esmeralda. <laughs> she must be she must be uh, fine as wine. If, Apparently if, <laughs> she's a beauty. Yeah, and it's it's great Tommy Shelby, you know, negotiating. He, he, he must be, like, the best at that coin flip. Like, he, he, he must have a way to maneuver the coin flip. Like, some gypsy magic. He got the horse in season two from That's uh, true. from Johnny Dogs. Right. I mean, and Abrahama Gold is also, like, has gypsy blood. So they're, they're both, like, in their gypsy way. They have, like, ways of doing things. But Tommy must... Tommy must know how to perfectly, you know, flip his thumb up to make the, to make the coin flip his way. But, I mean, something else to add in that scene at the funeral, John's funeral, was we finally learn what the hell in the bleak, in the bleak midwinter means. And it's 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 poetic. It's very poetic. And you know, Tommy says, I, "I I have it written down." He goes, "This is how John wanted to go on the smoke." But the truth is, we died together once before. Arthur, me, Danny Wisbang, Freddie Thorne, Jeremiah, and John. We were cut off from the retreat. No bullets left. Waiting for the Prussian cavalry to come and to finish us off. And while we waited, Jeremiah said we should sing in the bleak midwinter. But we were spared. The enemy the enemy never came. And we all agreed that everything in that was extra, and when our time came, we would all remember. That everything after that was extra, and when our time came, we would all remember. And so Tommy kind of lays the background of In the Bleak Midwinter. We find, 
we, we, we gained more insight into the war. I mean, we knew Arthur and John fought in the war, but we didn't know that they were together at one point in the war. I mean, we get a call back to Danny Wisbang and Freddie Thorne, and so we so we see the the, the significance to, to in the bleak midwinter that you know they they faced death many times before, and so everything after this is just lucky to them. They're they're just happy to be alive. So when their time comes, they would remember that moment that you know that they that they faced almost death when the Prussian cavalry should have come. So I thought that was very insightful, and Stephen Knight finally gives the audience clarity into what in the bleak midwinter finally means. We get that, and then we get another opening from Tommy's past when he reveals to Polly that she's acting like his mother and, and how all of, all of his mother's kids were scared because she was good doing seances and spirits and all this, and she's, he's trying to convince Polly to go back to normal after Polly calls him out for fucking all these whores, telling him that it's a uh, security issue, not the first security issue we'll hear from Tommy. And then Polly compares herself to what you just said and, and kind of explores that saying, when you're dead already, you're free. And I fucking love it. And so now I think we're going to get Polly back to normal after that scene. I sure as hell hope so because she's she is thinking way too much with like her emotions, and she gives all she gives advice so often to people like to not think when they're grieving or when they're emotional and like they're they're, they're thinking irrationally, and like she goes against her own her own advice. And I mean, she was pissing us off like really hard at the beginning of this episode with like being irrational and. You know, she like chooses Michael over anything. You know, like over the family. Like she, she forgets like where where her where her you know loyalty like lies from the start of her life, and and so it's just it's just annoying to see her you know be be that way. But I sure as hell hope that she flips. You know, as the season goes on. And for those that have seen all the way through and are caught up and doing a rewatch with us, or just like to hear us talk about your favorite show, we have a section at the end called Grace's Secrets that is a spoiler filled section. And today we're gonna dive into. What would have happened if Michael never came back into the picture and how everything might have changed with Polly, especially with this little introduction to Australia. So stay tuned for that after our winners and losers. But let's talk about the epic showdown at the end. You know, not not only does uh, does Jesse Eden come back and kind of call off Tommy and then start the strike, but when they do go on strike, that's when we get to see the first encounter between Luca Changretta and Tommy Shelby Tommy tries to shoot him, but the bullets are already taken out of the gun. And then we get a little bit of a of a showdown between fashion senses. And oh man, I just love Luke. I, I just you just want to be friends with Luca Changretta. Both of these guys you just want to be friends with. They're so cool. They're so suave. They have so much swag. And you, and you almost wonder if Tommy like and Luca have like an admiration for each other for for their level of just swagness and suaveness. But Luca, you know, makes a really good point to Tommy that he goes. Your level of security is pitiful. It's disgraceful, and it's it, it's 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 true. How the fuck in the world did Luca Changretta get up to his office without without any without any conflict, without anything getting in the way? Yep, he pretended to be a, a trade minister from France, and because they don't have any pictures back then, which is why uh, Sabini's guy couldn't kill Tommy in season two, it's hard to get to get images of people, and they didn't know who he was. And, and he's like, you know, he's, he's talking about how he's got one bullet for every family member. The, the one for John was already spent, and now he's saving Tommy for last. And the right. two of them he, get, get a mutual yeah. agreement at the end. Well, I mean, first of all, he lays out the bullets. He goes, he, I mean, I don't, I don't know in any particular order, but he's like, Arthur Shelby, Polly Gray, Michael Gray, 
Ada Shelby. He's like going slowly. Ada Thorne. He says oh, yeah, Ada Thorne. Yeah. Ada Thorne. And he like, the last one, and Tommy Shelby. And he like flicks the bullet and somehow it just perfectly spins around right in front of Tommy. Perfect. I mean, if I have a nit to pick, that's my one nit to pick. <laughs> but it's just like, it's just me being annoying. But, and then at the end, he says, he says, fighting with honor. No civilians, no children, no police. And that's like a that's like a, a battle that Tommy really isn't used to fighting. He's not used to these off limits. He's used to having the police on his side. And Luca tells him, I'm saving you for fucking last, man. Because I want you to watch each of your family members die. Because I mean, I don't remember exactly what his mother says, but she she told him that what would make him suffer the most would be to watch all his family members go one by one. And it's true. Imagine you being responsible for what happened. Because at the end of the day, it was John's fault that all this happened. But Tommy's the one who pushed it forward. He didn't want to parlay while he was on the back foot. And yep. it was to his demise and it was to, to his detriment. And now Luca has a plan for Thomas Shelby. And, uh, and Luca goes, you know, I heard that you, uh, you dress nicely. But clearly not as nicely as I do. And it was awesome. That was a good, I just thought I was like. He's a badass, dude. I was like, shots fired. And meanwhile, he's like chomping on his toothpick. So. Oh my god, that he's toothpick! toothpick. I love it. Cause like he like he like bikes down on it when he like when he makes a point. He's like he's like all right, take the toothpick out. You know, it's just yep. it's super. It's so Italian, prototypical, suave New York Italian kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so another you know another thing that that happened in this episode was Arthur has Luca in his sights because he's the oldest brother. He wants to take responsibility in the family meeting, so he writes Luca down on his bullet. I noticed that Arthur's flow is gone. He has a nice little haircut now, and they all have peace. Peace or truce? You know, a couple people said truce. Linda abstained. Polly is not happy at the uh, the, the the little slight that Tommy made at their argument. He's like, I, I get that we have some bad blood, and she's like, Yeah, fucking bad blood. But we we find out that that because he needs men, he sends a message to uh, Abraham Gold, and Johnny Dogs is like, No, no, Tommy, his men. His people are fucking savages, heathens, and that's yep, where we get yeah. the title of the episode. <laughs> we should, we should, Stephen Knight should honestly like retroactively go back to every single Johnny Dogs to every episode and just make the title <laughs> and ma- name an episode after what Johnny Dog says because we would have great title names. <laughs> it was, it would be awesome. It'd be awesome. The one thing that does come out of out of Abraham Gold is a new member of the Peaky Blinders. We see his son Bonnie destroy this famous former weight heavyweight. Bonnie says that he's 25 and 0, all knockouts. And then Tommy and, and, and Arthur at the end talk about the pros and cons of, of having Bonnie uh, as a part of it. And he, Tommy even mentions that Alfie has a big fighter he's been talking about. And I really think Tommy Shelby is in love with Alfie Solomons. No matter what he does, no matter right. how many times he fucks him over, Tommy has a huge admiration, might even be in love with the fact that he's keeping tabs on this dude that is fucking him left and right. Yeah, I mean, Tommy has a level of admiration for Alfie Solomons because Tommy admires people who are very good at this business. Like, this is Tommy's life. This is all he knows. This is what he's best at. So he admires people that go blow, blow to blow for uh, blow for blow with him because Alfie never holds back saying anything to Tommy. He, I mean, we saw at the end of last season when he's like, what fucking line do you think I'm crossing? And so I think that's why Tommy loves him because he's always, you know, on the same level. You know, he's 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 on that, like, that like dog eat dog mentality with him. And he's always like, you know what? I can handle anything. And that's why he loves Alfie. I thought a really important encounter at the funeral was when Linda stormed off on, on Arthur and Arthur said, 
She said, I'm going home. And Arthur said, okay, our home is 57 Watery Lane. Here's the key. And Linda said, I'm not going there. I'm going to the country. And Ada yelled at her and said, take the fucking key, Linda. Ada really came into her own this episode. And then Linda snapped back and said, the only way any of you Shelbys will leave this place is on a cloud of smoke like John. And then a few... Yep, go ahead. I mean, and that's mentioned, and then that was mentioned during the funeral procession as well. You know, that that on a cloud of smoke, like John, like, like on a cloud of smoke. So it was a good callback to something that was said earlier in the episode. And I mean, Linda, I mean, she's not, she's not having this life at all. I mean, she, she, she thought she had Arthur kind of cleansed a little bit. And now he's getting in the weeds again because, I mean, let's face it, Linda, his brother was just murdered by these people. Just, like, let him get his revenge. Let him do what he wants to do. Get out of it. And she's just really starting to piss me off. And then lastly, guess who's back? May Carlton. May. Just a split second, and she gets a nice little showdown with Curly. Yep. Well, it's because, <laughs> Great it's because when, when Tatiana and, and Tommy go their separate ways, she says, what are you going to do with the money? And Tommy, I thought, was a throwaway line, said, I'm going to buy a horse. And so here's the horse, and here's May getting to train that horse and Curly, she goes, how are things with Tommy? And Curly, who cannot keep his mouth shut, he goes, you're talking really fast. Now, now that he's got the mafia after him, he's a bit hard on us. And she goes, what? Oh, geez. The American mafia? And he goes, yes, there's 15 of them, yeah. Yeah, they, they want to kill us, yeah. They want to kill us all, but they've, we've got guns and grenades, yeah, and, and Polly's back, so we'll all be okay, yeah, yeah. And then May's like, oh, oh dear God. She's not, <laughs> she, she knows this is not oh, good. Oh, heavens, oh, she, heavens. Well, when she hears this, the New York mafia... The mafia. The mafia. She knows that she knows it's not it's not it's not pretty. They must have a bad rap. They they must be evil people. And the last scene is something that was super deep. And it was way outside the scope of Peaky Blinders, because Arthur and Tommy are sitting there on the on the sidewalk. Arthur's talking about how he misses the smell of small heath. And they're contemplating life after death and where possibly John could be. And and finally Tommy just says they're just they're just gone they're just fucking gone and he's talking about grace and then he goes and empties around into the wall and and he's like you know their, their bodies are they're just gone you know they're not anywhere they're not in heaven they're not in hell and it's it's definitely a bigger conversation than our podcast but it's something that that steve and i'd open the door to there at the end of the episode yeah i mean it's just like that that like scene and that exchange right there i don't know if it's like tommy realizing that it's all his fault like it's it's everyone is gone because of him. It's like everything he touches turns to stone. So he's like a curse, man. He's a walking curse, just like those sapphires. And I and I can't help but wonder if he really is starting to really battle with the with the reality that, you know, all these people are dead because of him. They're they're collateral damage. They're 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 his responsibility. And it's it's real. It it feels very real. It's really it's acted very real. That conversation with, with, with Arthur is very real, so it's just, it's just every, you know, as we go on, we, we, we think about all the people we've lost. And it sounds really cliche, but like, think about all that we've lost, man. Like we've lost two main huge characters, two very, very key characters. Like if you asked me before this show, if I thought Grace and John were going to die, I would have told you you're fucking stupid. No way. Campbell too. I mean, oh, Campbell too. I mean, I would, I thought he was going to, going to be a lasting figure as well. I mean, and I'm probably missing some people as well. I mean, I, I know for a fact that I'm missing people, but it's just it shows that we're always reminded of all that we've gone through. I mean, I, I always mention like remember where we were in season one, episode one, and think about where we are now. Campbell Campbell feels like it was like ages ago. The storyline of Campbell Grace feels like she was fucking ages ago, and that wasn't even exactly it was exactly one season from this episode. 
So it's just so much happening, and it makes you think that even more is more is on the rise. And so we'll talk a little bit more about possibly the future of some characters in Grace's Secrets, which is our spoiler-filled section at the end. But now we'll do winners and losers. I'm going to do my winner here. Josh is going to do his winner, and then we'll do losers. My winner, and I, I mentioned she's coming to her own, is Ada Thorne. You, you see she's she's starting to gain a little bit of confidence. Last episode, she was the mother figure, you know, going from house to house, trying to calm everyone down. She's, you know, well into her own right now as, as this, this single, independent, communist-thinking woman. And she's fucking yelling at Linda to be a part of this family, so she is well on the side of this family. She's fixed everyone. I, I mean, she all she needs left is a man, because she is... Everything else is, is on street. We don't really where know where is Carl, Carl is. This is starting where out, is where is Carl look? But... I'm concerned. I'm going to tell you right now, starting this episode, I don't think we're going to see Carl for a while. I am very concerned for the well-being of Carl. It's bad parenting. Ada's got everything going on, but she does not know how to be a mother. That's all I got to say. But but the only worrisome thing comes at the end when Inspector Moss shows up at Linda's house and tells her to, to, to pass along the message to Tommy that Ada is on the top of a list of communists in the area that a new task force of seven to eight agents were assigned to in Birmingham. So uh, Ada might have to uh, face a little bit of scrutiny here coming up soon because they think that she moved back to Birmingham to start a new communist movement. So that's the only problem with Ada, but she's still my winner. All right, that's a good winner. That's a good winner. My winner is going to be Bonnie Gold, a new character in the mix. Bonnie Gold, all, I mean, he, he can't be more than like 150 pounds soaking wet. He is scrawny as hell. I thought he was going to get the living shit beat out of him. Obviously, it was a little predictable that he was going to win because it's like, it was a cutesy part of the episode that he was going to like shock the world and he was going to win. But he beats the shit out of this giant guy, this former heavyweight champion. Um, Bonnie Gold is my winner because he shows Tommy Shelby that he that he's he's a fighter and that he could he could be of use to him and he, and and he, and he really shows him up for up for uh, Abarama. So Bonnie Gold is my winner. I hope that he uh, is useful for Tommy because. The gold seem like the gold seem like they could be a useful tool for Tommy. I mean, they saved the day at the funeral. Bonnie Gold is this is this is a secret weapon. So I'm gonna go with Bonnie Gold. I guess Abrama is my as my B for being you know for uh, for uh, getting involved with the Shelby's. It's gonna be a come up for him. He gets he gives Paul the eye. Maybe maybe he has a little uh, interest in Paul. So I'm gonna go with Bonnie Gold as my winner. And he's a peaky boy now. And and you know yes. Tommy even said maybe he'll take a bullet for. For you, we're, um, we, we can't lose any more brothers. So then who's your loser? My loser of this episode is going to be Linda. Because Linda, I mean, as much as I hate her, she, she all, she's like, just like Esme. She, no matter what she says, no matter what she does, no matter what she hopes, Arthur can't escape this life. He really can't. He just lost a brother. There's no way that you're going to get him to not exact revenge against the people that killed his brother. I mean, you got to feel for Arthur. You know, he was about to, you know, get clean and move away and have his happy life with his with his long flow. But to be honest, I I I love Arthur with with his old hair. I don't I don't want him with the flow. I guess I guess a a, a B loser could be Arthur's hair for Arthur's flow for uh for 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 having a one episode appearance. <laughs> but Linda's my loser because as she says, like I mean, she she can't escape this life this life either. She's with as long as she's with Arthur, she's gonna have to 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 suffer through it. And so she's my loser for having to stick around for what's about to happen. And Moss even calls her Mrs. Shelby, like very intently at the end, and they make sure she knows she is a Shelby now. 
and and that's a pretty good loser. I I, I like Arthur's hair in this episode. I think he's starting to uh, starting to build a little bit of his creativeness, where he's he's not just like looking at the Tommy hairstyle and then just adding a little bit more in the front. I like it. it it's it's definitely more like all around equal. It's not like the the negative five on the side and the three on the top. Yeah. Right, and so my loser is a guy who almost lost his entire livelihood on a fucking coin flip, Charlie Strong. <laughs> Poor Charlie, man. This dude is always out there, pessimistic as fuck, worried about everything, always nagging and and complaining and this and that. I don't blame him. You see his life like it's not it's not it's not glamorous. And he doesn't want it glamorous because remember when he was pissed that they could easily get through the black country. Right. He doesn't want that shit. Right. He likes the the illegal life, and he doesn't want to possibly risk his boatyard so that Tommy could have one night of sex. Right, I mean, 100%, and I feel bad for him. You know, he almost lost it, but we all know Tommy wasn't going to ever give up that yard for uh, for a good old Charlie Strong. You have any nitpicks? I mean, I guess there was there were some cuties, some, like, predictable scenes, as, 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 as we've discussed, like, just even not as predictable as, like, the noose, where we knew that they weren't going to die at the last second. Oh, my God, saves the day, but... I mean, the coin flip scene and the boxing scene—they were such predictable outcomes, and those are my only nitpicks. But that's not; those are not. It was it was a great episode. Yeah, I thought maybe the guy who had Tommy in his crosshairs and then didn't fire for like a second—you know what I mean? Like usually, yeah, you just, I mean, you just fire. Right, and if we're gonna get really into the weeds about nitpicks and not realistic things, like peaky heads out there, like I'm not one to pick to nitpick things that like I disagree should have happened, like. I'm under the, the, the stance that we're not picking from a menu here, so we don't get to, to choose what happens. So, I mean, like, people probably got pissed off that Luca Cangretta, like, just walked up to the, to Tommy's office without, without a problem and, like, didn't shoot him and didn't kill him there. But there was a purpose behind it. But there were, there were some things that it's like, how'd that happen? That's not realistic, but that's just part of the show. Well, my one big nitpick here is just is, – is kind of Polly's mentality, and she's always grown up in, in – Poverty and people who do that usually are like they stay humble. But Polly, right. it seems like even like she's lost her way. She shows up and she has this quote where she says, "I never thought my high heels of Paris would be stepping through the horseshit of Small Heath ever again." Like what? Come on! And like, it's it's really it's it's more of like an underlying. It's like a an over overarching nitpick with 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 the character arc of Polly Gray. I started getting very annoyed with Polly honestly in season two. And last year in season three with Ruben and all that shit, like I, I just didn't like the storyline. So I'm really hoping that Polly Gray, because I think that Helen McCrory is a phenomenal actress, and I and I still love the character of Polly. But as the character has progressed, you know, unlike other character arcs that have really you know escalated, hers has kind of like regressed a little bit. And I'm and I'm really hoping she kind of redeems herself in the in the coming episodes. And so let's talk more about that in Grace's Secrets. It's Grace's Secret, so turn it off if you're not live, if you haven't finished season four. That's, wow, what a voice. I yeah, love that. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm trying to defer people and have them turn it Grace's off. Grace's Secrets, everybody. Grace's Secrets. Pause Spoiler-filled section. I mean, honestly, if you've gotten this far, you've probably... You know the deal. This, yeah, but, you know, hopefully uh, pe- people know by now that they're not listening to Grace's Secrets because we're about to dive into what could have possibly happened if Michael never came into Polly's life. And it's so, oh, it makes me so mad, Josh, that I have to interrupt you because it's so fucked what Polly does. She, this is okay. You know, wanting to move to Australia and wanting to get away is fine. But then making a deal with Tommy 
that you're going to try to trick your own son, the only person you've ever cared about, is just very uncharacteristic. It's not Polly, and it just makes you mad there. But we've been saying that about Polly for quite some time now. I mean, when she snitched on, on you know, at the confessional, at, at the at confession. You're right. You're you know, right. She's, she just sucks. She shows signs of being very irresponsible in, like, what she does and, like, you know, not having her allegiances aligned. And so it's very frustrating because I think that the character arc of Polly, as we just discussed, would have been so different if Michael never was in the fold. And I think she would have been, you know, the sidekick the the sidekick to Tommy that we all thought she was going to be throughout season one and season two season one. I'm like, she's a badass. She can get shit done. She's smart. She can run this business on her own. She did it while everyone was away at the war. But ever since Michael was coming to the fold, her emotions have really got the best of her and she's not seeing clearly. And it's really pissing me the F off because I think that, that her character would be, would be different. Like, like, tremendously different if Michael wasn't in the picture. I think she would be a badass hoe, and I think it'd be her and Tommy ruling the world because she just got soft and worried about everything from the second that Michael got into the frame. And it's just, what she does to him is unforgiving if I'm Michael. And it's obvious obvious that Michael has a turn in season five. You know what I mean? It's just obvious that it happens because it's just... it's it, he right. just gets fucked by by these people that he loves and he's been so loyal to Tommy, so fucking loyal to Tommy. And it's it's also like not to say that this is a bad thing, but like the there's not a lot of clarity with Michael in season five. You know, with the whole situation, there's a lot of like we know he's angry. You know that every you know we know that Tommy's angry at Michael. We know that Michael is kind of is with Gina and they have some plan, but there's not a lot of clarity into what the fuck is going on with Michael's storyline since we don't really see him that much throughout the last three to three episodes and so if paul if Polly had just not done what she did in this last ep- you know in this season where she she throws michael under the bus like the whole michael storyline could be even different like michael and tommy wouldn't have been on bad terms michael would be very involved in the business tom, and loyal right and loyal and tommy would trust him and we wouldn't have this possible gina character you know getting in the way of the family she really could throw a wrinkle into the family and as you discussed you know, as you heard the interview with Anthony Byrne. Yep. Um, yeah, I was about to talk about it. Go ahead. Right. That Gina's is is, a, is involved with a very powerful family. It could be the Rockefellers of New York, and it could be a problem for the Shelbys. That once again is all Polly's fault if she hadn't have done this. It's just so frustrating. The other thing that Anthony Byrne said on an interview with BBC Sounds is that he never told Finn Cole, the actor of Michael, whether he really was or wasn't conspiring. So he had some scenes, Finn Cole was acting like he was an innocent bystander in season five, and then he had some scenes where he was acting where he was conspiring against Tommy. So it's just And 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 like we and like we don't know, like exactly. There's some there's some moments when Gina like hints at it, but like I, I love that because we just don't know as an audience. And when season six comes out, we'll get that clarity. But I mean that's that's just that's just a great wrinkle to throw in there. And then we don't have to talk about this. I just want to mention it because it's awesome that they end up getting married. But they do, they share a look. Bonnie, um, Abraham Gold and Polly share an absolute look and, and it's love at first sight. And then the other comment about Bonnie may maybe taking a bullet for you, he does end up dying because of the Shelbys. And that's exactly a scenario, as I mentioned in the last Grace of Secrets or two, no, two Grace of Secrets ago and three six, when I mentioned the Ned Stark scene with Jon Snow telling him, you know, what when I come you know, next time I see you, I promise I'll tell you the truth about your mother. It's just, it's exactly this. You're watching it again the second time, and you know 
that a bullet's coming for him one day. Like you know that that you know the Billy Boys are gonna just slaughter the man and crucify him on on the uh, at the stake. So just a phenomenal you know phenomenal parallels drawn there and phenomenal symmetry to to kind of bring that back. And it's like it makes you think when Stephen Knight is writing that line. Do you think he knows Bonnie's fate at that point? Or do you think it just happened on, like on a fly? Like, you know, the, no, I think I think he knew that Bonnie was gonna die. Which is which is just masterful in my opinion, to have so many plot webs and so many different character arcs and knowing how each one's gonna end and when they're gonna end and then dragging it out and 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 having that timeline to where it ends. It's just it's just beautiful. It's masterful. I also like that that Byrne, you know, divulged in the interview that he wrote down and Stephen Knight wrote down that Gina was going to give Oswald Mosley a look, but they still don't know what they're going to make out of it. And I don't, I mean, since, since we're here now talking about Gina and Oswald Mosley, there are a lot of theories on Reddit on whether or not Gina is the, is the girl that Oswald Mosley is fucking in that last, in that last uh, episode when he's, you know, doing her from behind and we, we can't really tell, but she has blonde hair. And so a lot of Redditors have had fun with that to see if that's Gina or not. So just like leaving so many stories open, storylines open uh, with season with season six and a lot of parallels with season four and season five because there's a lot of like but fours here, you know, like if Michael didn't come to the fold, what would happen? You know, blah, 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 blah. It's like there's a lot of but four causes that could not have happened if certain things didn't happen in these two episodes. And it's just so crazy to think about how it'll 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 impact season six. All right, well, that'll wrap up this episode. Grace's Secret, we have so much fun with this. If you guys have any comments about Grace's Secrets or have any questions that you want us to answer and talk about or any you know topics, go ahead and, and hit us on facebook.com slash Podcast on Twitter at By Order of Peaky, or on email at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com. Hit us with some stars. Go ahead and... Uh, just tell us whatever you want to you want to talk about because we love this show. We know you love this show, so keep an eye out for 4.3. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. We're wrapping this episode up, and we binge, so you don't have to. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand.